15 seconds to core meltdown. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Catch a tiger by the toe. If he hollers, let him go. Eeny, meeny, miny, Four finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Finger Discount, proudly brought to you by the Simpsons Quotes that nobody gets anymore Facebook page and nohomers.net. I am Dando. I am Mitch. Today we're here to review Season 3, Episode 5, Homer Defined. Homer Defined. Yes, great episode, but before then, I hope you all had a lovely Easter. Did you have much chocolate this year, Mitch? I was thinking about today at work, I feel like you're somebody who would overindulge in at least one Easter rabbit. I wasn't actually too bad this year. You know, as I get older, I forget that it's Easter. Same. Nicola reminds me. Yeah. Otherwise, I just wouldn't even care. So the day before, I'm like, oh yeah, shit. Got to go out and get chocolate. But, you know, I, I certainly had my quota. Let's 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 not let the listeners think that I, in any way that I'm trying to get healthy here. Yeah. And I was still a little bit feeling the after effects of my Good Friday blasphemous barbecue. That was a lot of meat. It was delicious, though. Thank you very much. Were you, were you proud? I was. It was my first time cooking offset smoker style uh, brisket and pulled pork. And holy Jesus, did my house feel, smell and taste like South Carolina. But with less racism. The beef was amazing. Thank you. Because I obviously don't eat pork, but the pork looked amazing. The pork? I'm sure it tasted the amazing. The pork was pretty fa- Yeah, the pork was fantastic. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm sorry, listeners, we don't want to, you know, I don't want to make you feel bad for not being there, although you should. And, you know, frankly, where was the RSVPs, guys? Yes. But uh, next time that's going out down at uh, down south, Mitch's Ranch, man, it was good. I'm going to make this a regular thing. Maybe we can have a four-finger discount BBBQ. A BBBQ? What's the extra B for? Uh, BYOBB. What's that second B? It's a typo. Okay. <laughs> Were you just testing me to make sure I knew that quote then? <laughs> no, I just wanted to run through it. <laughs> you wanted me to fuck that up, didn't you? <laughs> no, no, no. I was just enjoying a little bit of role play. Alrighty. So, Homer Defined, what did you remember about the, remember about the episode before going back and watching it? Uh, virtually everything. Yeah. I didn't. All I remembered was that Homer saved the plant from a meltdown. But see, going back before I rewatched it, I thought that happened at the very, very start. I thought the whole episode okay. was about him trying to avoid getting caught out for being a phony. But it was like halfway through the episode when he actually did it. Yeah, it certainly it took its time to set up. I think they pointed out that this is one of the longest first acts of any Simpsons yeah. episode. When I say I remembered virtually everything, I remembered everything about the main plot points. But going back through and watching it, there's a whole bunch of little details and fine brush strokes that I hadn't really remembered um, in my mind that I guess I'd never took as much notice of when I was younger. So there's a, a, a lot to get into and a lot to talk about about this one. I found there was a lot of uh, subtle jokes that, as you said, you wouldn't have understood as a kid. I also forgot that this had the great B-plot of the Millhouse not being able to hang out the bar anymore. Such a great subplot, yeah. That could be an episode in itself. Yeah, it really could Easily. have been. And it's just, it's not thrown away, but it's just, it's there. It's just, no, that's fine. That's just, that's the sauce on the side of the main meal. I felt like that should have been the episode and the Homer should have been the B-plot. Yeah, it could have worked either way. Or it could have just been divided into two different episodes. It very easily could have worked like that. So, a few facts before we get into the review. Obviously, this was the debut of Luann Van Houten, Maggie Roswell, mm-hmm. in a, her finest work. One of our favourites. Yes. Now, do you know that Van Houten, this was a name that was actually created by the guy that wrote the episode. And the guy that wrote it was a freelance writer. I noticed that. Yeah, and his name was Howard Gerwitz, apparently. Okay. I like that he's a freelancer. That means that there's hope for us. Or oh, back then they did. <laughs> I don't think they fall for it anymore. I think they, they must have got put into some sort of trap. Uh, they can't end well for this. Uh, such a big show at The Simpsons using freelance writers. I feel like it's a thing of if they read them as they come in and then they happen to have had an episode that is somewhat similar to what's been written in, someone's going to try to sue them. Like I reckon along the way, yeah. they've had to pay people out because they would have gone, oh, you stole my idea, even if they hadn't. So that's probably why they've got that blanket, no, we can't see any scripts if you don't work for us rule. That's what's going to happen to us when we see Jurassic Pork next year for the Treehouse of Horror. <laughs> exactly right. Look at you son of a bitch. You told me you wouldn't read. Because Al Jean said he's legally not allowed to, which I think is exactly the reason yeah. why. So I said, hire me, read it, and then fire me. I'm cool with that. Yeah. <laughs> I just think it's cool that uh, a freelance writer just came up with a surname for a character. And a permanent character yeah, at that. Yeah, yeah, like a main character. And apparently he got the name Van Houten. It was the last name of one of his wife's friends. Oh, well, there you go. So, she's famous. Right, what you know. Yes. It also was the first appearance of Magic Johnson. I'm not sure if he's appeared in later episodes, but he was the, this was the first athlete to mm. be a guest star on The Simpsons. And does a good job. Yeah, he really gets into the role, doesn't he? Yeah. I feel like I pulled a homer. Yeah. <laughs> he loves it. They also get, uh, I'm assuming his name is pronounced Chick Hearn. He's a commentator in a uh, commentator for basketball in America. Oh, okay. okay. I'm not big on NBA. I'd like to be, I'm just not. But I know the bigger the bigger ones of the nineties, like your Bob Costas, your Marv Alberts, and those sorts of guys. Um, yeah. your, your modern day Jim Nance. But I 
don't know a huge... Uh, is Jim Nance basketball? I have no I've idea. I've just gotten sidetracked with but anyway, but I anyway, think Jim Nance is NBA. But this guy here, he's the one that says, and the ball hits the referee in the head and goes in. That's when Magic Johnson gets the goal at the end. Okay. He's the commentator. Yep. Right. So he's a very famous commentator in America, apparently. Now, when they did Magic Johnson's uh, recording, apparently they wanted to do it during the NBA regular season. And because of that, it was clashing with everyone's yep. schedules. So they had to go to his house. And apparently there was a big fuck up with the equipment. It was just a big hassle. So the role... Almost didn't happen. Ooh. So who else do you think they could have had in the spot? As the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. <laughs> Why not? That's my go-to. Whenever you need someone, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. <laughs> John Lovitz is also in this episode as well. What did John Lovitz do in he this episode? He plays the, the... Oh, is he the, the Shelbyville... Yeah, um, Aristotle Amadopoulos or something yeah, like that? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> Crazy name. John Lovitz is better than I give him credit for, for being able to come up with a voice that when I'm listening to it, I don't instantly go, oh, hey, it's John Lovitz. I disagree. Okay. Whenever he does a character, I because inst- he does a second character on this show, which they don't give him credit for on any of the Wikipedia pages or anything like that. Yeah. He does the character, I think, the main character in the soap opera that Marge is watching on TV prior to the oh, okay. announcement. Yeah. It's just, they're different, but they're also very similar. Like, they've just got that twang to it, that Lovett's twang that you can just tell it's him. Shelbyville accent. Also, one final fact. The script originally had the word ass in it, or ass, in it twice. Twice. And it was cut out when Bart says it. Now, I think it would have been better if they had left the Bart one in, because it reiterates the fact that he's a bad influence. Mm. Because he said, bad influence my butt in the episode. Eh, doesn't really... It almost has alliteration, like it begins with a B, ends with a B. Yeah, but it just, it makes the joke funny, a bad influence my ass. And I didn't realise this was the first time the word ass had been in the show. It never been used prior to this. Yeah, episode. and that's that's why the issue it went to the census and like, well, well, hang on a second, you've got ass in here twice. You can have one of them. Yeah. Would you? Which one would you have gone for? I'd have doubled down and given it to Van Houten. <laughs> <laughs> you just go, all right, fine, but we're let, let, we're get, letting the nice home lady say it. <laughs> oh, the mum. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, door, the door hit you on in the ass, much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, so. The original air date was October 17th, 1991. Chalkboard gag was, I will not squeak chalk, as Bart is squeaking chalk on the chalkboard. Mm-hmm. And the couch gag was, an alien is sitting on the couch and escapes through a trapdoor as the family rushes in, which is another popular couch gag. I think they used to play, you know, on Channel 10, when it went to an ad break, they'd play the couch that, gags. Yeah. I think that one got played quite a bit, because I seem to remember it. Okay, so it kicks off with the family around the breakfast table, and Homer and Lisa have like a debate over the legitimacy of the newspaper, which is US of A today. Yes. Now, the very first line that Homer has in this sets up the sort of Homer that we're going to get for the episode here. So, it's him reading through this fairly illegitimate newspaper. Uh, He's going, hmm, SAT scores are declining at a slower rate than usual, and kind of says it in this good news kind of way. So... I mean, we've discussed before that there are many different types of homers already that the writers are going to give you, but what we get with this one is that he's the sort of homer that's going to try his best to be smart and appear smart, but is completely and confidently wrong. Like, it's not that, oh, I don't know. It's charging ahead into the darkness, but yeah. <laughs> thinking that he has a torch. Like, well, I've got here that they've got him, there's a few times they re- uh, emphasize that they've got his, the, the dimwit commoner. Yeah. Like, it's just the, the common everyday Joe Schmo who doesn't realise how dumb he is. Yeah, he's just trying to understand the situation. And in his head, he thinks that he does. Yeah, <laughs> exactly right, yeah. Um, also, Bart's writing a birthday card out for Millhouse. Now, I know the card's sexist, but it's funny. It's also horribly, horribly inappropriate for a 10-year-old. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? That's what makes it funny, though. Yeah. Did you ever get one of those birthday cards where there would be holes in the back of it? No. No, so these would be ones where it'd be the similar thing. It'd be like a silhouette of a woman. Um, with two cutouts where the breasts would be. And you, the way you had to open your card was by putting the fingers through the holes and then you open it up so your fingers become the breasts. Oh, no. Like you got like, you know, the little, I missed little things coming out there. I missed out. A little 3D effect about it. <laughs> that would be cool though. I also was given that when I was like 10 years old. <laughs> At least you didn't get the, the male version of it. it well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Jeez, you, wouldn't, you would hope that would only have one hole because two would be frightening and yes. put you off for life. Uh, and Lisa's disgusted by the card, as she would be. As she should be. Yes. Then it cuts to the kids on the school bus, and Bart thinks that Millhouse didn't have a birthday party. Mm. And Sherry and Terry try to let the cat out of the bag, because they're just bitches, aren't they? They don't like... I don't even know if it's that they don't like Bart. They just like stirring the pot yeah. with whoever it is that they're around. It just t- tends to be Bart, because the only reason they're ever in an episode is that Bart's doing something. Were they like that in later episodes? I feel like they've just been very cruel in the first few seasons, but not so much later on. I Because re- I never remembered them being such spiteful little bitches. I wonder if it's more that they just wrote them out of storylines a little bit. It's like they're, they're kind of used as a crutch 
to an extent to, yeah. to push Bart forward or push his story along. I've never liked the design of those characters either. As in the like the, the visual, anima- yeah, the visual of them. I just think they're very crude drawings. They just don't mm. look. They just don't fit the show. Particularly when they're just a floating head. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. And then Bart gives Milhouse his birthday present, Krusty Walkie Talkies. Great gift. Yeah. What a present. That's amazing. Yeah. I did load like the the gag where Bart says, "I'll keep one and you keep one." Now, whenever you want to talk to me, just call me on the phone and tell me to turn on my walkie-talkie. I feel like walkie-talkies are actually something that kids growing up, they're not going to understand the, how insane that was for us oh, as I kids. Know. That I could be anywhere as long as I was within about a 50-meter radius and I could talk to you. Yes. And as long as I didn't talk so loudly that you could hear my actual voice. It was free. Yeah, a little bit crackly. But what it was is you felt like a soldier. Yep. Because like, who else has walkie-talkies? Soldiers and police officers. Yeah. Yeah. It's just you and your mate. Like, he could be in his backyard. Yeah. You, just, you felt like a commando. Or later on in American Pie 2, it was just you, your mate, the, the couple lesbian girls in a house, and then <laughs> a trucker, and then a dad at a birthday, and, <laughs> and then half the town. Do you think they still make walkie-talkies? Or are they just a dead thing now? No, I'm sure they would, because, I mean, again, like, for the for armed forces in particular, or for event management, um, mall security, like, you've got it right there. You don't need to pull out a number and dial it. You just, like... Breaker, breaker, one, nine. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just envisioning, like, the guy that created walkie-talkies seeing, like, a, an ad for, like, mobile phones and just going, well, that's the end of me. <laughs> that's it for me. <laughs> just out the... <laughs> it's straight out the window yeah. of the 100-story yeah. building. <laughs> Alrighty. And then uh, Martin almost lets the cat out of the bag about Millhouse having a party and Millhouse uses the dog outside for a distraction. Now, Bart says something here that I'm going to use far more regularly now mm. where he just goes, wow, brown. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I see something brown now, I'm just gonna say that. <laughs> it was just—I I don't think it was meant to be that funny, but I loved it. Yeah, how much he buys into it. Yeah, yeah. And then Otto eventually does like the K of the bay by saying, "And applause, applause to birthday boy Milhouse for his totally bitching party on Saturday." Yeah! Uh, oh, Milhouse, I think I left my pants on your roof. I love the fact that Fox were okay with Otto saying bitching. Yeah, but ass, no. No, only one of them. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually watching something over the weekend that w- it was a Dinner for Five episode from a few years ago that George Carlin was on. And anyone that knows George Carlin stuff knows he loves picking holes in kind of the, the flaws of censorship on yep. TV. One of his favorite words uh, and the rules that they would come up with was the word pissed in that you could use that to say, I'm pissed off. So, you could use it as like an adjective, but you couldn't use it as a verb. It's like, I'm pissed off. Why? Because you pissed on me. Yeah. Like that second one, they would beep out, but the first one, they would allow through. It's weird how censorship just works like that. Yeah. Makes no sense. That's what's great about podcasts. I can say any motherfucking thing I like. Except for the C-bomb. You say that, you're out. That's just your rule, though. I can say <laughs> if this was my podcast, I'd do it all I like. Then it cuts to Mr. Burns and Smithers watching the workers on their screen, still black and white. Uh, mm. And Burns, he's talking about a movie. I can't remember what it's called, but he's just disgusted by what the woman was wearing and whatnot. Yeah, the overt sort of sexuality of the film. And then it cuts to Homer saying how great the movie was because Best of that. Best movie ever made. Because of that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, it's another way of reiterating Homer's just the commoner. Let's say for the, all intents and purposes, the movie they were watching was Wild Things. Oh, everyone remembers it for one scene. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the opening credits. No. Yeah. And the Homers of the world or every teenage boy in existence are like, oh my God, this is fantastic. Kevin Bacon's penis. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> two, two movies that used, I used to always try and sneak into the pile when we were hiring like 10 for like $8 kind of yeah, thing yeah, yeah. was Wild Things yep. and Species. Oh, Natasha Henstridge. <laughs> Just boobs everywhere. <laughs> it was fantastic. <laughs> you watch it on mute. <laughs> I'd try to get Boogie Nights in there, but that was difficult because it was rated R. Uh, it okay. wasn't as easy. Like you always needed a good MA 15 plus. I think I've told this story before, but I remember I think it was Species. There was one movie where the guy looked at me looked at my mum, looked at the movie and went, I'm going to let you go through. <laughs> Didn't say nothing. It's got that nice man from uh, from Free Willy in there. It'll be okay. <laughs> I uh, So, just what, the last thing I'm going to talk about on this movie, it's a great quote from, I'm not sure if it was in... Just Wild n- Things? No, no, it's about Wild Things. Okay. I'm not sure if it was in Knocked Up or if it was in the deleted scenes of Knocked Up. But it was Seth Rogen describing Kevin Bacon's penis in, towards the end of that, saying it's like the Mona Lisa. No matter where you are in the room, it's looking at you. <laughs> I can't remember. That must have been deleted scene. Could have been in the movie. But um, yeah, let's let's get away from Kevin Bacon's dick. Okay. Now, the only reason that I harp on that is to make a point about this episode. What you'll notice, and I, we mentioned that it's a freelancer. He has done that thing of a writer who's gone, I need to impress. So, he's thrown everything that he can at this script. But in particular... This is one of the smuttiest scripts 
with more sex jokes of any episode that we've seen. And I, there were a few that I kind of specifically writ, uh, wrote down. So there's, um, check out the, you know, the here's bongos. a pair of bongos. Yep. Homer describing that movie. She's got a pair of assets kind of thing. Yep. Uh, there's the soap opera that Marge is watching where they're all hands and all mm-hmm. over each other. There's the, uh, uh, will I ever see you again? Sure, baby. Next meltdown. And then just the general discussion of, uh, you know, Burns and, and like, call me old-fashioned, but I think women were better when they got their clothes on. There's so much in the way of jokes about sex and nudity and, and sexuality in this episode that had really not existed in any of the episodes beforehand. So, like, it had that feeling of an outsider coming in and... and not afraid to break the rules. Yeah. And I, you know what? I reckon it's also a little bit of a... And I'm sure it would have been reworked, but it feels less like a script written by committee and more by a script... More like a script written by a man. Yeah. Just yep. one person going, here's my style. Yep. The sexuality side of things. You mentioned most of them there. One of them that you left out, though, was when Homer's been given his prizes for employers. Oh, month. yeah. The little bimbo giving him the hand. The titties out. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's just... Should, should I say titties on here? <laughs> well, you have. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean. Very skimpy clothes. No, yeah. She looks doesn't look very... Uh, what's the word? Well, she Modest? Looks, let's just say it looks like she's been hired. Yeah, and then obviously when Homer's envisioning people in their underwear, some of them have mm. really big boobs, some of them don't. I forgot to write that one down, but yeah, that is another one. And the very upfront gay jokes from Smithers. Not gay jokes, but gay tendencies. The, uh, may I kiss you on the ass. It's just, yeah, now it's time to kiss my ass goodbye. Ooh, may this, I, sir? Yeah. Ew. This is the time for me to tell you that I love you. Stuff like that. Yeah. We hadn't really seen too much of the gay tendencies from Smithers up to this point. Alrighty, so getting back home is eating donuts, and we've got the classic mmm purple. Yep. Purple is always the best flavor of everything. And purple is a fruit. Yes, it is, <laughs> yeah. And he obviously squirts it out, and it lands onto the danger meter, so he doesn't see that the plant's going to eventually end up in a meltdown. Mm. Oh, oh. Oh, no, 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 no. Yep, no, no, that's fine. You continue, because the next thing that I've written happens later. Okay, then. <laughs> so, uh, Otto goes to the Quickie Mart, and he's got a bad case of the munchies. So, another sort of... Little stoner joke. Yeah, stoner yep. joke. We haven't seen too many of them. Apu notices Bart in the bus, mm. and he said he was on his way to Mexico. Yeah, I love that. Take it the school bus there. <laughs> One thing I did right here, though, is I like seeing two sub-characters that don't normally interact know each other, because they would. Yeah, of course they would. That's a really good point. Yeah, it was just, hey, Otto, how are you going? And we don't normally see that. Yeah. Uh, well, up to this point, we haven't anyway. I just, just kind of hit a nice little Zen state of enlightenment with that. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I thought it was cool that two sub characters who live in the same city would obviously know each other. Yeah, one that's going to be driving past all the time. Yeah. Pooh would know virtually everyone in, exactly, in Springfield. Yeah. He's, he's the only store, isn't he? Pretty much. There's <laughs> the, uh, well, what was it called? The, tr- the try and the, save. The try and save, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then it gets to the core meltdown that happens. Homer wakes up and starts panicking, and he pretty much just doesn't know what to do. Never really announced why. Yeah, it doesn't actually say. Well, I know Mr. Burns gives the excuse that there was no meltdown. It was a crow flying into the warning. A crow flying into the warning. So I, yeah. uh, I also liked his line of, we prefer to, uh, we prefer to know it as an uh, unwanted fission surplus. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. It's both frightening and comforting that a nuclear power plant could A, melt down, and then B, be prevented by the push of one button. Mo. The Mo button, yes. Because A, it means that, okay, it's nice to know that one button can fix everything, but it also means that you forget to push that one button and everything fucking blows up. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Alrighty, so uh, Bart's depressed on the bus. Otto's taking him back to school. I'm assuming he's taking him back to school. And Otto gives advice. You know, once my old lady ran off and married my brother, well, it hurt, but here it is a month later. And I'm sleeping under a couch. The way he says that there reminded me of when he says, now I drive the yeah. school bus. Exactly the same. You know, in his face. Yeah. It's just, there's another aspect of this episode I'll get into later on that's a virtually a rehashing of a past storyline. Okay. I think you might know what it is. Do you have any idea? Not All right. Not until you start well, talking right, about we'll it. We'll get no. into it. Okay. So Marge is then watching her soaps. And as I said, I'm pretty sure, even though it's not mentioned on the Wikipedia page, that John Lovitz is voicing the main character who has his hands all over the woman. Margarita, I want you. The show's called Search for the Sun. Search for the Sun. A great I, title. I need to now point out the thing that I was going to point out before that was too early. Now I'm pointing it out too late. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Go back to Otto. Just, j- no, no, no. It was just when the meltdown alarm goes off. And okay, that's when yeah. Burns is having his... One of my favourite Burns lines is that... Yeah. Call me old-fashioned, but I thought films were sexier when the actresses... <laughs> or when the actors kept their clothes on. Yeah. Did you pay any attention to the actress's name? No, I didn't. Yeah. Vilma Benke could do more for me with one raised eyebrow than she could with a whole... Now... This is another one of those ridiculously old Burns moments. Okay. So you Vil- love doing these, don't you? I do. Yeah. I, as they go I, I'm on, I'm glad you do. Vilma Banki was a Hungarian film actress who worked in silent film between 1920 
1925. And let me tell you, she was quite the starlet. Yeah. I mean, when you factor in Hungarian and the kind of general timeline. But yeah, no, that was so, like, Burns would have been zero at the time. (laughs) (laughs) Like, if he's, or maybe he would have been 10 at the time. That's that's 70 years prior. Yeah. So he was about 10 10. as a child. According, if we're going by Samson and Delilah, meaning that he's only 81. But he did watch boxes from the 1800s at some point, did he? Yeah, yeah, he did. A fist fighter (laughs) from the 1800s. (laughs) Um, but here's one other thing that I've got from this scene. Listeners, you can do this. If you try to freeze frame at the exact moment that Mr. Burns is saying that she can do more with one raised eyebrow, here's Mr. Burns giving his sexy raised eyebrow. <laughs> it's like the rock without an eyebrow. <laughs> I'm just looking at it because Mitch has obviously screenshotted it for his phone. I have. It's I would, not quite of a quality to upload. I would highly advise you guys trying to imitate that and sending us a screenshot. Oh, that would be fantastic. <laughs> and we'll put up an album on the page. Yeah. Any listeners with like... No eyebrows? <laughs> well, I was going to say, you know those people with like the people with eyes where one's not quite in the same direction as the other and you don't know which one to look at? If we have any listeners that have one of those eyes, and I'm not being offensive at all... We're to make fun of you. You will be able <laughs> to replicate that face with some ease. <laughs> Okay, so, as we said, Marge watching the soap, Search for the Sun, and Brockman cuts in with the announcement of the meltdown, starts chatting to Burns. The hairdo, what's with that man? The, oh, the photoshopped <laughs> hair over the top. Oh, you keep it up appearances. 1990s Just hairdo. A, another similarity between Burns and Trump. Yeah, uh, so he talks it down. Um, then, well, he basically says there's no issue here, blah, blah, blah. Cuts yep. to the plant workers absolutely frantic, running around, smashing things, yep. don't know what to do. My favourite reaction at all about the meltdown is Homer's first one when he wakes up. It's like, noise. Bad noise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, he, as we said before, he says... <laughs> It's one of those annoying buzzwords. We prefer to call it an unrequested fission surplus. Something that I really liked about Brockman as well, when he has that whole, like, the, the newsreader frantically getting ready for the story. Oh, um, yeah. um, what's his line the blush in there? And stuff? Yeah, um, just give me the blush. It reminded me of a clip that's actually posted on Harry Shearer's own video. Now, I showed you this before we started recording. Yeah. It's, um, it's just really kind of... Harry Shearer's channel. It's, yeah, Harry yeah. Shearer's channel. It's not laugh out loud hilarious the whole way through, but it gives you an idea into the world of how absurd news broadcasting can be in that, yes, he's about to break an insane story, Kemp Brockman here, but he's still concerned about his makeup. Yep. And he's prioritizing what needs to happen before and after. Now, the video, you can search this by, uh, you can find this on YouTube by searching Dan Rather Jacket. R-A-T-H-E-R. Correct. Yeah. Um, so, Dan Rather, very famous uh, broadcaster in the States, uh, had moved over to CBS and was doing a live read from Seattle. It's condensed down to about five minutes, but it's a 20-minute conversation about whether or not he should just wear his blue blazer or a green coat over the blue blazer. Which looks better. Hands down, like, that is all they talk about for 20 minutes, but it is a 20-minute genuine discussion about... Mm, well, this looks very windblown here. Yeah. <laughs> what do we have the collars down? Exactly. And, and anyway, that, given that it's a shout out for our main man, Harry Shearer, his own channel, I highly recommend that everyone heads that way and checks that thing out. But it was instantly when I was watching Brockman, I was like, ah, great, great little segue into Rather. And for those of you out there who are wondering about what his actual channel name is called, uh, youtube.com forward slash my damn channel. Good name for a channel. It is a good name for a channel. It's something... It, it's very Shearer. It's very Shearer, yeah. That's yeah. what I was trying to say, yeah. Why did you do this? Because it's my damn channel. <laughs> Works perfectly. Um, so, as we said, Brockman's announced the meltdown and Burns is trying to play it down. Homer then reads the manual to try and figure out how to solve the issue. Mm-hmm. Smither then confesses his love to Mr. Burns. Sir, there may never be another time to say, I love you, sir. Oh, hot dog. Thank you for making my last few moments on Earth socially awkward. I love that Burns is always calling him out on it. Yeah, Never enough to push him away. But he knows. He's like, oh, come on, man. Seriously? Again with this? That's why they get like, they try and... Later, in later seasons, they make Mr. Burns oblivious to the fact that Smithers is gay. But I find in I, the earlier... I find it funnier when he acknowledges it. Yeah, in the earlier seasons, particularly this one, he must know Smithers is gay. He'd have to. Because like when he says, can I kiss your ass? He's like, ugh. Yeah. Like, it's a fucking amazing response. I also love that he gave the same response to Smithers' dog. Or a very similar response. <laughs> yeah. we, cl- we clipped it. <laughs> he just doesn't like anything. And it cuts to the reaction from the residents about the meltdown about to happen. My favourite one was the um the old people watching Wheel of Fortune. Yeah. I love when it cuts Change later, channel. Yeah, later on when everyone's celebrating and they're still just watching. And someone guesses it wrong and they start laughing at them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so good. 
And then it cuts to Homer saying the classic, if you look up stupid in the dictionary, you'll see me. Mm. And we get the, the very popular image of Homer, in, his face in the dictionary yeah. with stupid next really to Really nice animation on that. Good etching. Yeah. Like I, it, it felt authentically yeah. old. Yeah. I didn't think they'd been used so many times in this episode, but there's three or four different words that they use for that. Yeah. Yeah. So then cuts to Marge praying for the, the lives of everyone, including home, obviously, but for mm. the lives of everyone in the, in the town. The animation here was really nice. It was yeah. just the slow pan, sort of... It felt almost 3D-like, very different animation to what we normally get on this on the series at this point in time. It almost looked computerized. It was that clear. It was really, mm. really good. And I loved what one of her promises was in this. That's to, one of my trivia questions. Yeah. Oh, okay. But yeah, the fact that she'll actually start giving the homeless things that they would want. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what it was? Uh, oh, hang on. It's a, that's, gonna, no. my, that's one of my trivia questions, oh, okay. what it was. Right. I'll, just, I'll just tell you now. I'll let it the bag. It's old lumber beans and pumpkin mix. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. It's so true. Yeah. Whenever there's a can drive, you go to the cup and go, oh, what am I not going to eat? And when you're embarrassed by it, you take the, the cup, the wrapper yeah. off, <laughs> so people don't know what it is. If it's Seinfeld with the muffin stumps. Yeah, yeah. If the homeless don't want them, the homeless don't have to eat them. Yeah. <laughs> so there's our Seinfeld reference for the day, for the week. I don't think I got one in last episode, so I needed to try and cram one in early. So then it cuts back to Homer at the plant and he's still panicking and he blames the Rubik's Cube because he was too busy doing his Rubik's yep. Cube and he was told how to fix the machine. Here's the Simpsons quote that I always use whenever I pick a Rubik's Cube up that, ooh, aside. Homer, yeah? please pay attention. This button here controls the emergency override circuit. In the event of a meltdown, push this button and only this button. Ooh, it's time. Simpson, what? you see which button I'm pushing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Push the button. Got it. And then we get the, as we mentioned before, the, I think it's time to kiss my sorry ass goodbye. May I say? Ugh. It's the perfect response from Burns. Mm. It didn't didn't have to be a clever one-liner. It was just, because that's genuinely how most men would react to that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not trying to be like homophobic. It's just, if a man says, can I kiss you on the ass? You'd be like, uh... I prefer if he didn't. <laughs> yeah, probably not. But anyway, and then Homer does the classic, any, many, money, money, pushes the right button. Uh, the, and the one thing that we didn't point out, it was a joke a little bit earlier with um, what is Burns wearing at that particular moment? The reactor suit. The reactor suit belonging to... I don't, was it Smithers? Smithers' suit. Oh, I didn't notice that. A bit where, didn't you? There's no. a bit where Smithers is like, I can't find my radiation suit. So, it's like, well, how should I know where it is? And oh, then, like, I didn't pick covers up, up the name batch. Oh, I didn't pick up on that. Yeah. Oh, that makes it so much more funny anyhow. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought it was, couldn't find it. Um, and then we get, obviously, the end of the first act with the any, many, miny, mo Homer... It was great commercial break in the sense that it didn't show you what happened. It just sort of, the finger was coming down onto the camera, fade to black. Yeah. Very good commercial break. Cuts back and it's the the dictionary again, but this time it's the word is lucky. So the definition of of lucky is Homer Simpson. Yeah. Everyone's celebrating. I like the guys who are lift the, lending, the vending machine back up. Yeah. Just pretend like nothing happened. And then we get the sexist joke you mentioned before. We do get the sexist joke. We'll ever see you again. Sure, baby. Next meltdown. Yeah. Uh, that, proving that there is at least one other woman that works at the power plant. Yes. Yeah. Um, I also love the joke of the rats. So when you, the meltdown's on, you get the rats fleeing the power plant. So it's that like rats fleeing an abandoned ship. I didn't even pick up on this one. And then, oh, well. This is, what Genius. I get. this is why I, it's not what I get paid for because I don't get paid. This, this is what I'm here for. Um, and then like after the crisis is over, all the rats fleeing back into the power plant. It's like it's, like it's their hope. They're like, oh, we can come back yeah. now. <laughs> it happens at Moe's quite a bit, doesn't it? They use that gag. Yeah. yeah. I also liked that a comic book guy was selling shirts. I survived the meltdown, which was, I thought was pretty cool. And then the, the Wheel of Fortune gag that we mentioned before of the old folks oblivious to what had been going on, they're just watching Wheel of Fortune. The person says, I want to solve, gets it wrong, they all just start laughing at them. (laughs) Burns announces that it was simply a crow flying into the warning system. There was no meltdown at all. It was just all a facade. And then he decides to make Homer employee of the month. Mm. This is where the rehashing begins. When Homer was employee of the month for having hair. Ah. Smithers is jealous. Yeah. Yeah, Smithers is jealous, but not as petty in this. Like, Smithers is a little bit... He's like, no, but this is something that I work towards. But he doesn't try to take Homer down. Well, that's one of the downfalls I thought of this episode was the sense that that went nowhere. Smithers was annoyed by it all. I actually thought that was kind of nicer, though, because Smithers wasn't a dick. But at least show... Oh, I don't know. See, I... Because I couldn't remember how it was going. I've got here, will he sabotage Homer in some way? Because I'm just so used to him doing that. Mm. But it just went nowhere. Like, the last time we see Smithers is when Burns says, oh, he's always been like that. <laughs> Fun line. Yeah, and then that's it for Smithers. True, there's no real resolution for Smithers' arc there. And but Burns treating him like shit, you know? Yeah, but I, did, I also didn't mind... Like, I, I like the fact that in this one, Smithers just, sac- like, took it but kept plowing ahead. 
I needed that part of the story to be wrapped up in a sense. So next episode, okay, Smithers is just back where he was. Yeah, okay. It would have been nice if that had of if they had have added something in there. But I yeah. guess it's kind of more implied by the fact that Homer screws up in Shelbyville and everything returns to normal. But I just felt they gave they dedicated so many scenes to seeing Smithers annoyed by Burns' newfound appreciation for Homer. Yeah. And Smithers is the whole time. And then it just goes nowhere. It's like why dedicate so many scenes to showing Smithers annoyed if it doesn't lead to anything? Mm. Do you sort of know what? Do you see? What oh I'm yeah, I, I take that on board. You know what I did like about Act One is that it almost came with its own mini resolution within. Yeah. In that it's like the story of Homer saving the power plant done, and then we move on to the story of everything else that happens. Like That's it's like the last episode. Yeah, it is actually. Yeah, and it crams in a lot of jokes, and that's. Again, I think that freelance nature of I need to throw everything at this. Yeah, yeah. There's probably a lot that was cut out of the script as well that probably wasn't allowed to make it onto TV. Yeah, but I'm sure there would have been. There. Yeah. yeah. Uh, cuts back to Bart. I think it's at school. He makes Millhouse spilly salt. He says, we're even now. Classic, classic yeah. prank. Yeah. <laughs> do, do it to someone tomorrow, guys. <laughs> I'll take a photo of it. <laughs> it will always be funny. <laughs> I saw someone once, right, saying that you have to you know the whole... Sp- Throw some salt over your yeah, shoulder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spill the salt. They'd unscrewed it right. It was at my football appreciation, a football uh, presentation night. And this guy's name was Jackson Brady. And <laughs> he was just, I remember the guy told him to throw the salt on his shoulder. And he just like feels like that and covers this kid's mum and back of her head <laughs> just in salt. And I always remember this. <laughs> Just her going, and it's just salt going everywhere. Did you fix like, it up by offering a buyer around a boiler makers. <laughs> oh, man, I just, I felt so bad for him. Anyway, so getting back on track. So Bart says that we're even now for Millhouse spilling the salt, which I thought was you know very forgiving of Bart. He didn't get invited to his best mate's birthday party. Yeah, and he just forgives him straight away for it. You know, mm. oh, I made you spill some salt. Now we're even. Well, that's it's best mate. It's only mate though. So part of that comes out of neediness. That's another thing that I've got here. I didn't really realize that Bart has no friends. Mm. He's only friend. Uh, you see him at school with kids, but his, his only, only friend, friend is Milhouse. Yeah. And I never really clicked into that. Milhouse here reveals that it's his mum that thinks he's a bad influence, and we get the bad influence, my butt, which should have been ass. How many times have I told you, don't listen to your mother? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that throughout the episode, you know, Bart doesn't think he's a bad influence, but he clearly is. But he clearly is, and Marge ticks up for him hmm. when really she shouldn't have. Luann Van Houten was onto something here. Yeah, but Marge still sees that boys will be boys kind of attitude and that realistically, what's he doing that's overly harmful? Ah, uh, you know, BB gun maybe? <laughs> yeah, how much can you... How much da- I never had a BB gun, but I don't assume you can cause all that much damage. I saw a kid get shot in the eye one of those things once. Man, not good yeah, at but all. You, but if you get hit in the eye with a pee, it's going to hurt. <laughs> like, the eye's a really bad spot. <laughs> yeah, that is very, very true. So, Burns is then looking for Homer in the uh, plant cafeteria. And Smith is just clearly isn't happy about it all. Homer has the joke here. This is another sexist thing. A nuclear reactor is a lot like a woman. You just have to read the manual and press the right button. Another sexist joke. I didn't realize how many were in this one. This is where we get the girl in the very revealing dress giving Homer the prize for the employee of the month, the mm-hmm. plaque and whatnot. I would, I would love to get a ham from work. Oh, how great would that be? Uh, one boss once gave me a ham. It was amazing. A ham? A ho- mm. They gave you a whole ham? They gave me a hock. Like a big ham That's hock. awesome. <laughs> it was insane. <laughs> for what... What place that was, was Christmas. Place? Was just, uh, this was up in Queensland. Powerhouse Ford for anyone that's listening to us from Mackay. Okay, cool. And I do like Mr. Burns' uh, own personal thumbs up. Yeah, <laughs> that's one of my favourite Burns moments of yeah. all time. <laughs> yeah. He's so satisfied with himself. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and he gets the call from Magic Johnson and Magic Johnson says, Homer, I just used our last time out to call and congratulate you on a that nuclear holocaust well thank you magic if you play on that ankle you'll be in incredible pain i don't care uh magic what if people think a guy's a hero but he was really just lucky don't worry sooner or later people like that are exposed as the frauds they are thanks magic this is uh, another little side thing that I, I was thinking of about this episode or what it reminded me of. And listeners out there, write in with your favorites of these. Uh, mailbag at fourfingerdiscount.com. What is your... Dot f- au. Dot au. Mailbag at fourfingerdiscount.com.au. I keep forgetting we're in Australia. Yeah. Uh, what is your favorite sporting cameo um, that is like an ultimate letdown? So what Magic does there for me reminded me of Lance Armstrong in Dodgeball. Do you remember this at all? So this is when Vince... It was at the very end, wasn't it? Yeah, so Vince yeah. Vaughn is about to leave the tournament because things haven't quite... Uh, Patches has died and he's, he's about right. to go because yeah. he's upset. And he bumps into Lance Armstrong in the airport. Yeah. Now, I've copied Lance's speech from this. Um, so he's like, you know, I, I, I've been watching you guys. I can't wait for you to win. He's like, oh, actually, I was thinking of quitting. And Lance has gone, quit? 
You know, once I was thinking about quitting when I was diagnosed with brain, lung, and testicular cancer all at the same time, but with the love and support of my friends and family, I got back on the bike and I won the Tour de France five times in a row. But I'm sure you have a good reason to quit. And then follows it up with, um, uh, well, I guess if a person never quit anything when the going got tough, they wouldn't have anything anything to regret for the rest of their life. But good luck to you, Peter. I'm yeah. sure it won't haunt you forever. Yeah. I, I fucking love that. I really do. It's a great cameo. So sporting cameos, and particular, particularly if you can think of a sporting cameo where the job was to make the character feel worse about their situation. So the cuts to the kids watching Itchy and Scratchy and Bart's not laughing because he's just down because Muhouse isn't his friend anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, Homer is ashamed of the award, basically. Yeah. Now, another bit of here about the animation, Marge reading the plaque, absolutely terrible. Go back and check out the scene okay, just I'll... where she's looking down. Her The, the drawing of Marge, cause I, f- I felt the animation in this whole episode was quite good. Yeah. But... That one shot of Marge there, the eyes looked googly. It just looked really, really terrible. Wasn't that just a reflection from the plaque? Wasn't like the idea to show that it's really no, 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 it wasn't. No, it was them two standing next to each other. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's really bad animation. Check it out. Um, and then it cuts to Homer thinking of the word fraud. That's where mm. he, in the dictionary. Back to the dictionary Back again. To, so I think it's four times in the episode we get the definition. No, you get another really good character moment from Homer here. And this is, it's really deft writing in that. He's feeling shame and uh, and feeling and guilt and feeling like a fraud. Is it is it shame though? Like I don't know if it's shame because he's done nothing wrong. Yeah, but he's done nothing right and he's being heaped on praise. Yeah, but so he's in, almost the way he projects that though is through agitation and anger. So like it's it's that thing of he doesn't act shameful because that would be obvious. You would understand you know why he's doing it. But as like as his defense mechanism, it's to get snappy at everybody. I, I thought that was genius writing in the way that that was done. It made him feel more real as a human. Well, it's like when he snaps at Lisa and Marge and says, I get enough admiration at work. I don't, don't need it at home as well. Yeah. I did like to hear, this is where Lisa starts to admire her father. And so I yeah. think it's the first time we've seen Lisa like Homer. With genuine admiration. Yeah. Following him everywhere. Yeah. And even offering helpful hints, like it tastes like acid in my mouth. Maybe you ate a clove. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but look, he, he's just talking normally, but she's starting to try to interpret it as something positive. Yeah. Trying to kind of add this weighty importance to it all. So then Bart's looking through photos of Millhouse. This was the one scene where I really felt sorry for Bart. I think it's mm. maybe, maybe the music as well, but... And then Millhouse coming through the walkie talkie. Millhouse to Bart. Yeah. Please don't hate me. Yeah, it was quite a sad scene, I thought. I just, I really felt sorry for both of them, you know? Cause it's, it was important for the viewer to know that it's not Millhouse's choice. Yeah, that's and what I felt the, sorry like for the, Millhouse. Yeah, the mother line, like, it's not like he was just fobbing Bart off or trying to come up with an excuse. Like, he, he wants to be Bart's friend, but he's been told by his mother that he can't be. Uh, so, Homer then gets employed of the month, the car park, and he hits Burns' car. <laughs> You'll never know who did it. <laughs> <laughs> And Smithers drives past, all jealous. That's where I've got here, sabotage, question mark, because I couldn't mm. remember what happened at the end. I couldn't remember whether it was Smithers that told everyone that Homer was a fraud or not. Yeah, right. But yeah, it just really goes nowhere. I love Smithers the gag story. of how big the car park is. Yeah. It, honestly, it reminded me of like a Rocco's Modern Life or a Dilbert-style joke. Like Homer the Great with the rollerblades. Yeah, similar to that. It, um, but it's just one of those ones where it's a stretch, exaggerating reality yeah. and kind of, you know a parody of what it's like to just have a nine-to-five working-class job. I think Rocco's Modern Life is a perfect example for that because that's the very crude drawing where they have it just go off into the horizon almost. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Homer's parked his car and he's walking in and we get the Shelbyville nuclear power facility, not power plant, power mm-hmm. facility owner Aristotle Amadopoulos or something along those lines. So he's French. <laughs> Apparently so, yes. <laughs> Clear sarcasm. Sorry, I'm, don't write in. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and then... They pretty much they, they want Homer to give a speech on how to be a good worker or something along those lines. At yeah, the Shelbyville come plant. and inspire my my men. It seems Harry's been having terrible worker problems at Shelbyville. They've lost their zest for work. You must help them find their ine haratu naduleve. Their ine haratu dula what? Yes. Do you think it's sort of I don't know? Homer saved this meltdown, but it only seems to be in Springfield that he's being acknowledged for it. Should be across the country. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he saved the melt. He saved the town from blowing up. Yeah. I reckon if you'd have been the guy that managed to save Chernobyl, you would be in history forever yes. as being one of the most important men to have ever lived. Exactly right. In the world, let alone just in Russia. One town. Um, I did like it when Homer's saying, I'm not a hero, I'm not a hero, I can't do it. Oh, this false modesty, it's getting very tiresome. Yeah. <laughs> I did like that line. Um, Smithers then walks in late. Exhausted from his walk. Yeah, and he badmouths the car park. Sorry, the parking here is terrible. And the Shelbyville guy's like, he has no respect for this plant or something. And I love how quickly Burns turns on him. Yeah. Mm, this one's always been a problem. Yeah. <laughs> Be gone from my sight. 
<laughs> That's why I said it's starting to feel like Simpson and Delilah, where Smithers is getting pushed aside for Homer. And it, I think it was in Simpson and Delilah where he gets employee of the month, wasn't it? Does he get employee of the oh, month? He did, no, no, he, he just, just gets, gets the key. He gets promoted, doesn't he? Yeah, promotion and the key. I don't yeah. think he was given employee of the Very month. Very similar kind of storyline, yeah. though. So then Bart's playing Monopoly with Maggie, and Marge questions as to why she's not hanging out, why he's not hanging out with Millhouse. Bart explains the story to Marge about how his mum doesn't want to hang out. Marge gets the idea, maybe I'll go talk to Luann about it. And in the meantime, Bart says to Maggie, let's go throw rocks at the hornet's nest. Yep. So they, <laughs> they always end the scenes where Bart's trying to say he's not a bad influence with him being a bad influence on yep. somebody. And then the debut of Luann. So Marge visits uh, her to try and plead Bart's story, saying, mm-hmm. look, let them hang out. Boys will be boys. And then I like Luann's line of, The other day, Milhouse told me my meatloaf sucks. He must have gotten that from your little boy, because they certainly don't say that word on TV. A great line there. It is. And like, it's a, a, a it's, it's half skewering, you know, what The Simpsons is up to itself. It's also, I, I like that it instantly kind of sets up, again, like a slightly more, not reclusive, but a slightly more, what's the word, naive mother. Yeah, and one that's a little bit more closed off to the influences of society, and she wants a boy to kind of grow up in this nice Brady Bunch world. Brady, yeah, that's a that's a really good way to describe it. I've got here too. I think there was a um, good writing in the sense that it felt like a very realistic conversation. It yeah, was no jokes. It was no, just like two was mothers just talking to two each other. mothers hashing it out. Yeah, yeah, just real emotion in that scene. So then Lisa is profiling Homer for the school paper, and she's at Moe's with him. Barney's very funny in this scene. But one one thing I've got here is that it seems in every episode with Mo in it, he has the line of "What's the matter, Homer?" He says it a lot in the uh, earlier. That's episodes. like a little recurring line for him in the earlier episodes. Yeah, yeah, he says it nearly every time. And Lisa says, "He's just a little nervous. He has to give a speech tomorrow on how to keep cool in a crisis." What am I going to do? What am I going to do? I had to give a speech once. I was pretty nervous, so I used a little trick. I pictured everyone in their underwear: the judge, the jury, my lawyer. Everybody! Did it work? I'm a free man, ain't I? Millhouse then invites Bart over. Do you want to come over and play? Really? We can be friends again? Did your mom die? Uh, I don't think so. Well, who cares? Millhouse will be right there! And then he thanks Marge for sticking up for him, which was a really nice moment. Really nice moment. How did you know it was me? Well, who else would have? Yeah, we don't get too many nice Bart and Marge moments, I think. No. The one that comes to mind is always Marge be not proud at the end. Yep where you got the photo taken for her. But there's not too many moments where they really genuinely show emotion and love for each other. Yeah. Where it's just those two characters anyway. And then, obviously, he pulls out the BB gun and then races off. Was it a bad decision to let them hang out? Nope. Have to stick up by your son. Okay, that is true. Yeah, I, I will accept that. And then Homer is giving his speech and he's panicking, so he pitches them in their underwear. Did you notice that they gave some of the women gigantic boobs and some none at all? Trying to not sabotage my own kind of level of morality which is fairly loose let's be honest i didn't pay a huge amount of attention to the animated breasts <laughs> okay well i did okay. don't judge me <laughs> um and it's interrupted by a meltdown very convenient but yeah. you know it fits the story yeah it's just <laughs> you know what this reminded me of like home is like saved by the bell uh this reminded me very much of a seinfeld joke not from the episode but just from jerry seinfeld's stand-up of all time it's 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 a famous bit where he's talking about people's greatest fears and that number one was speaking in public, number two was death. Yeah. And th- that's exactly what this encompasses. Like, he's like, huh, that's right, we're all going to die. Fine, that's okay. Yeah. And, you know, Seinfeld's tag is that, so that means to the average person, if you had to be at, in, if you had to be at a funeral, you would rather be in the coffin than doing the eulogy. You'd rather die than have to give a speech. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, he's asked then to repeat what he did to save Springfield. Yeah. So, he does the any, many, money, money. Everyone thing. around watching. Yeah, everyone's just absolutely dumbfounded by it. They can't believe it. Do you even know what button you push? Sure, Mo. What I love the most is that he doesn't even necessarily remember. Like, the fact that he's gone through the whole rhyme again. Yeah. Like he had to <laughs> do it all rather than just remember. Maybe for future reference, this is an important button to yeah. know about. <laughs> <laughs> so, it cuts to uh, to Brockman giving his two cents. Mm. And he's also joined by Scott Christian, who is brought in a new segment called Laugh and a Half. Yes. And his first one is uh, Wiggum capturing Snake for robbing a bank without yeah, meaning to. Without meaning to, just by his coin jar knocking, falling on his head. And then we get the really popular, that I remembered once I started watching it, but I completely forgotten the Pull to Homer montage. Yeah. Look like a Pull to Homer. So, the first one is, I think Barney finds a pretzel. On the yeah, floor. falls off a stool. Oh, a pretzel. Yes. And then we get the Magic Johnson. 
The Lakers have the ball. Magic Johnson coming down the floor on a fast break. Magic stops his feet, slip off from under him. The ball flies out of his hand, hits the referee in the head, goes in the basket. It's a three-point play. The Lakers win. Looks like I pulled a homer. I like the ending, even though it's ridiculous, that Homer's actually in the dictionary, where it's Homer to succeed despite idiocy. Yeah. But he's actually in the dictionary. And it obviously ends with Lisa saying... So it was nice. Lisa knows that her father isn't the hero that she thought he was. Yep. But she still accepts the fact that he's done good for the world. So your final thoughts on the episode, Mitch? Look, my final thoughts for the episode is that it's one of the truly definitive Homer-centric episodes. Um, Like you'd put this, if you were to lump in episodes that define the Homer character, you'd put this probably within the top three or four pretty comfortably. Not necessarily saying, like it's a really good episode, but not even saying that it's the best episode by all time, but it showcases Homer almost better than any, like the most other episodes would, particularly, as we said, that kind of dumb luck side and oafish kind of bumbling through life side of Homer. Um, the, it doesn't show his scheming side and it doesn't have much of his sweet side, but it just does show him brilliantly as being a simpleton. Well, I think they have the, the sweet side of things in regards to the B-plot with the Bart Milhouse story. That's I just meant not Homer's Yeah, I know, I know side, what you meant. Yeah, yeah. But they sort of, they incorporate the emotional side of things yeah. into the, the funny stuff is with Homer. I feel this episode is very underrated in the sense that you never really see it mentioned on top 10 lists or mm. if you've said to somebody, oh, what's your favorite episode? I bet you no one would ever say this would be in their favorites. Although when you watch it, it's a really, really unique classic episode Yeah, that tends to just fly under the radar. And I think if you are listening to this now and you haven't gone back and watched it, go back and watch it because it's a great episode that deserves more love than what it gets. Hmm. What did we learn, Palmer? So what'd you learn, Mitch? I learned, when in doubt, go for Mo. That is good <laughs> advice right there. I, I learned that Smithers has a Yorkshire Terrier named Hercules. Ah, uh, yeah. Good job. That was one of my trivia questions. Oh, okay. But, oh, good. Well, I have a flurry of trivia questions. This a week. flurry? Yes. I like a flurry. Well, I had four. Now I'm down to three because I had, gave you the old okay. llama beans and pumpkin mix. I had three down to two. Ooh, okay then. So, I'll go first since okay. I've still got three. What past character was on the front page of the newspaper at the very beginning? <laughs> From the very first season. From the very first season. I think has appeared one other time, but on like a news bulletin. No, I'd be guessing. I'm just, I'm going to juck. Babysitter Bandit. Oh, is she on there? Yeah, just, okay. just a little profile picture. No writing of it. Just yep, you can just tell there. it's her. Yeah. Okay. So what's your first uh, trivia question? What is America's favorite pencil? Number two? Yes. Number two is number one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what did Martin appreciate the most about Milhouse's party? Two things. Uh, probably finger food. And the lack of bullying. It was jelly bean baskets and the personalized noisemakers. Uh, personalized noisemakers. <laughs> With a cherry on the cake or something. He says. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Good job. Uh, everyone does love a good like lolly bag and prize bag at a yeah, kid's party. Classic. Uh, how did Marge and Llewellyn Van Houten meet? When their boys both swallow paint. Damn in the emergency room. Is that yes, right? In the emergency room yeah. when the boys drank paint. <laughs> yeah. I had to really think about that one. It was a throwaway line. I thought I was going to get you. My final trivia question was, what follows Homer in the dictionary after when he thinks he's the word fraud? What is mm. the next word in the dictionary following fraud? Ooh. Uh, uh, no. Freckle. Oh, okay. And it actually gives a description of what a freckle is. Oh, good. Okay. I didn't write it down, but I just thought it was funny. That's very authentic. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? So, that is my trivia. The only thing week. is, it's nowhere near... Like, it's a big jump to go from F-R-A to F-R-E. I know, but I think just wanted to get a, the definition of a freckle in. Yeah. <laughs> Although, there wouldn't be too many F-R-B words or C words or D words. Fraggle? No, nah, but that's F-R-A-U, F-R-A-G. Fraggle would have come beforehand. There's no F-R-C. Mm. Maybe freckle is. Maybe it is. No, because freed. No, no, it couldn't be. No, no, Free. No. Free. Mm, maybe this is an interesting one <laughs> words with friends players out yeah. there that you'll know about what other words might start with fr because we are too lazy to look it up ourselves <laughs> Jamail Jamail is here Ooh. mailbag alrighty before we get into the mailbag though and some shout outs we need to give a mention to Ben Halliwell who donated to us this week Big thank you ben, to ben brother of Jerry Yes. Uh, I presume. Yes, possibly. Uh, I Get, would assume not. It would be cool if he was, though. It would be cool if he was, and it would be cool if she could donate, too, because then we'd be on easy streets. I know, right? <laughs> 
Um, yeah, so we're starting to the show. So fourfigurediscount.com.au. If you want to throw a couple of dollars our way, we would really appreciate it. You don't have to, but everyone who does gets a shout out mm. on the show and it really helps going a long way to keeping the show going in does. regards to paying for the website and whatnot. But as we said, yeah, fourfigurediscount.com.au forward slash donate. If you want to donate, Mitch, it's time for some shout outs on your end. Or some mailbag questions. What is it? A little bit of both. I'm just going to roll from one to the next and see what happens here. Because last week we had a flurry of uh, correspondences. There's a lot of correspondence. There's been a lot of correspondence that I can't read out this week due to legality. Yes. (laughs) I did ask for some brushes with the law. What I was looking for was like wacky hijinks, you know, maybe you stole a police officer's hat, maybe you found a badge and you used that badge to get into a sporting event or something along those lines. Like some, Maybe you streaked at a sporting event and you had a fun conversation with the police afterwards. Have you ever streaked? No, I haven't. I've but... done it twice. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I've done like nudie runs around the street, but I've not streaked at an event. Oh, not an event. No, no. Yeah. But streaked down the street, still counting the streak. Yeah, okay. I was thinking more like I could be arrested for it type <laughs> deal. But what I got instead was tales of underage drinking at bikies. Uh, I, I got, uh, we got a message through from someone that was involved with the IRA. Like, it, I got real heavy material. <laughs> I was like, guys, I can't. So, to everyone that wrote in, I appreciate it. Don't feel bad that I'm not right reading it out. It's for your own protection. And it's not because you, you can't just say to us, well, don't, just don't say our name because the cops will contact us and say, who are these people? Because yeah. they have broken the law. Exactly. <laughs> There's a fucking terrorist organization. <laughs> I, like, I, had, I, I didn't even feel comfortable having the email in my hands. <laughs> <laughs> delete, delete. Uh, but no, what we are going to go with, with a little bit more uh, lightheadedness, Tina Wallace, Mitch and Dando, so stoked to hear about the Four Finger Discounts new sound, newfound celebrity among news networks. I'm um, sitting with my animation homework, and when home uh, when Flanders failed, uh, so I assume she means she's listening to that, yeah, yeah, yeah. that her animation homework isn't the episode, or it'd be convenient if it was. And let me tell you the trials and tribulations of being a lefty in a right-handers world. The leftorium for me represents a fantasy. Aside from can openers, spiral notebooks, pencil sharpeners, scissors, and the like, I have a personal vendetta against the ballpoint pen. You see, when a left-hander writes with a ballpoint pen, it pushes the ball instead of rolling, releasing a sporadic and unreliable line of ink. Unreliable. Tragic, <laughs> tragic I know. For an animator, that's pretty awful. Oh, of course. You need reliable. What, uh, I like that animators are sending into the show and are listening to the show. Mm. Very cool. Especially uh, the ones that work at The Simpsons. Well, Tina doesn't. I know, but okay. I'm just saying, we know that there are animators out there that do listen okay. to the show. Tina might want to. If she does, hey, Matt, if you listen to the show right now, ta- uh, Tina? Is that yeah, check out Tina Wallace on Facebook. Check her out. You guys can hook up. Yes. Not, not, yeah, in, yeah. That, not in that sense. He has children, sir. Children. <laughs> hook up in the sense of Swap your di- swap your details. Yeah, like you've had a car crash and you're just politely handing over. Shh, digging. Here's you're my digging. number. You're digging. <laughs> Moving along. Tina has a question. Uh, the question is: Have you ever been? In a, has there ever been a Simpsons invention that you desperately wanted in the real world? I've always wanted to drive the Homer myself. Yeah. But besides the Homer, I think hasn't everyone wanted to at least use the electric hammer at some point? Uh, people have created it. Mm. But I'm assuming it didn't work too well because it's not a mainstream. Because thing I've now. not seen it in Bunnings. <laughs> yeah, exactly like five dollars. Yeah. Wouldn't that just make life so much easier though? Just electric hammers? It's so simple. Would be great. It'd take it would virtually eliminate smashing your own thumb. What about hamburger earmuffs? Mm. Pointless. What about hamburgers that eat people? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That'd be cool. I would love maybe The baby translator. Well, I was gonna say with a slight tweak, I want a dog translator. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. If my dog barks that the translator tells me what he's th- what he's trying to say. That to would me. be amazing, wouldn't mm. it? Do it out there. Inventors. Someone has to come up with it. I don't even care if it's fake. Yeah, just, <laughs> I'll buy it. Uh, now, we've got from... Well, this isn't a name. This is just a, like a username of the email. Visual Tree Harp. Uh, if there was a live-action film adaptation of The Simpsons, who would you like to cast in it? All I know about the person asking these questions is that they're from the States and that they have a Verizon wireless 4G LTE smartphone. If you're thinking outside of the main characters, like the Simpsons family... Yeah, yeah. We were mentioning this earlier on in the night. I brought up uh, Wayne Knight, Fat Wayne Knight, as Chief Wiggins. Yeah, not Thin Wayne Knight. It has to be Fat Wayne Knight. Once they're thin, that is not funny. Yeah, I, I really like that. I like going in a gritty direction and casting Idris Elba as Carl. It would work. Yeah, just <laughs> but like Carl would have to be an alcoholic or something like that. Yeah. You've got to tweak that character a little bit. But I mean, when you're doing an adaptation, you take license with what you're doing. Chris Farley would have been good for Barney. Chris Farley would have been an amazing Barney. Could we get Weird Al Yankovic as Otto? Purely on the hair. I was going to say Otto, yeah. Yeah. Like, it, Weird, Weird Al could play that character if he needed to. Just a sadistic bus driver. Yeah. He, he'd give it a real sort of evil tone. He I would. Think. He'd yeah. go right at the kids. Real, yeah, real, yeah, they yeah. wouldn't like him. Yeah. Um, who could be Lenny? Paul Rudd. Paul, yes! 
my God, <laughs> that's <laughs> such a perfect response. <laughs> right out of the gate, pens down, Dando wins. <laughs> that's, uh, man, that's amazing. Um, I was thinking, as much as he's a bit short, Danny DeVito would be the likeness of Homer. Yes, just um, on stilts. Do they go Michael Caine just well, to Danny go DeVito down that path? Danny DeVito could even be Chief Wiggum. I'm sorry, Monty. Obviously, as we said, Brian Cranston, we said this off air, would have to be... Flanders. Uh, Flanders. Yeah. But playing Flanders. Playing Flanders, yeah. Not being edgy, just straight playing it. Like, as- for example, the when Breaking Bad was on, they, they showed that video of him waking up and it was all a dream, like, as he's Malcolm in the Middle character. Yeah, he's well, that, flan- that was, that was like, the how Breaking Bad is going to end. It was one of the... Yeah. But that was, like, him being that character. Yeah. The, the you know, like, yeah. like all... That, he's very Flanderi- Flanderistic. Is that a word? No, it's, it's not, not a word. but it'll work. It'll work, yeah. Yeah, he's very much like Flanders in that scene. So, th- him playing that little sort of, like... I mean, he's, like, he's sort of camp to an extent. Yeah, I suppose. Like, the idea of the plant dying and that sort of stuff. Yeah. And, like, getting really kind of girly and freaked out about that. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so that's a few suggestions for us from the live-action Simpsons. Yeah, but this is a call to the masses. Yeah. So, cast a Simpsons live-action movie for us. Send us in who you think would be a great casting and why. This could be a potential article for the website. We will put in like the, the 20 best cast or live-action cast characters comparisons. Yeah. 20, the 20 best ones that get sent in, yeah. we'll create an article and we'll do comparisons. I almost forgot my best one. Kristen Wiig for Edna Krabappel. Yeah, that'd be great because she's that awkward comedy. A little bit of she? hair dye, but yeah, yeah. She'd, be, she'd be great at doing the Edna Krabappel flirty kind of thing and the laugh like, ha! Kind of like talking down to the kids yeah. and that aspect of it. I reckon she'd get that really well. What do you think of Paul Giamatti as Homer? Um, or maybe Barney? He'd be a dark Barney. Paul Giamatti's kind of lost that like my uh, big fat liar, Paul Giamatti. Yeah, maybe. Um, you get young Frankie Muniz as Bart. That could work. They could play off that dynamic. Yeah. All right, but anyway, the rest is up to you guys. I don't want to hog all of the casting fun. So mailbag at fourfingerdiscount.com.au. Throw in a subject line of Simpsons movie casting. Yeah, and you'll get mentioned on the website. Yeah. Stuart Blues has written in with a story about tight arsery, which I've I've really been enjoying. So if you know a friend who's particularly tight, like the sort of guy who you go around to their house, they make you a sandwich on your way out. They're like, don't you reckon maybe 50 cents or something could be left behind for the sandwich? I almost want to make this a segment of this. The stories have been so good. Yeah, they have been great. <laughs> now, Stuart Blues has got taken a different track here by dobbing himself in for being tight. This almost never happens. No one is aware of the fact that they're tight. Like, the level of self-actualization involved in this story is phenomenal. So, uh, Stuart is a new fan. Um, he'd started listening from season three and loves the show. I had to write in to tell you about a moment when me being tight with money went to the next level of petty. I previously had a next Netflix account, £5.99p uh, in England, and I'd visited my mate in New York. We logged into my account on his PS3 and watched a couple of films with our better halves while we were out here there. Hell. Nothing better than going to an amazing city, being there for a short period of time and watching films. I call shenanigans on this story. It wouldn't work. Because well, you, can't, you can't use the UK account in the US. He's obviously done it somehow. Through roaming or Maybe something. Maybe UK and US account because you can't do that here. If you have a, an Australian account, you can't log into an American Netflix. You can't log into the American Netflix catalogue, but you could still log into your Australian account oh, while you're yeah, in America. Yeah, I guess so, but you just wouldn't yeah. get the American. Yeah, I get you. Yep. Down, Dando. Yeah. <laughs> Upon returning to England, I could see that he was still logging into my account and using the service without paying anything towards the monthly costs. Obviously, just wanted to get his hook of Steptoe and Sons and on the buses. <laughs> Uh, safe to say I swiftly deleted his PS3 association to prevent him from doing it again I don't regret it it's not Simpsons related but I just thought you'd appreciate it I do appreciate it Stuart what I appreciate the most about it is that it wasn't costing you any extra to allow him to log in (laughs) you're a shit friend it's not like Netflix goes oh you've watched too many episodes this week we charge you a dollar more like it's it's unlimited (laughs) what are you doing it's like he wasn't it doesn't go towards your data allowance he's in another country did did he want his mate to pay towards it or something I suppose so but rather than have that conversation just went no the hell with him he's off (laughs) Fuck him. <laughs> no, I was looking at the vibe to this, just written him out of his life. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's so, the end of him. If you've done that, Stuart, I'm sure there are other stories out there of you being tight. So <laughs> I want to hear from you again, please, right in. But anyone else, anyone else that has a tight friend or anyone else that wants to dub themselves in? Mailbag at fourfingerdiscount.com.au. We'll call it. Let's refer to the, the tight ass segment as My Two Cents. 
someone that's fighting hard yes. to keep their two cents. Perfect. It fits perfectly. And from one to another, we've got Jack Ryan, who's quickly dubbing in his father. Thought you guys would like to know that my dad once stopped on a four-lane section of highway to pick up a cheap plastic dustpan and brush that had fallen off of a ute. Hey, that's $4. <laughs> It turned out, uh, as a little coincidence, it turned out to have the name of his primary school written on it in uh, marker pen. I love that. Four-lane section of... Hang on a second. Slams the brakes. (laughs) Backs up, traffic, (laughs) truck pitchforks in the road, jackknifes in the road and rolls over. (laughs) Guy drives past. Fuck, beat me to it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Finally, from the mailbag this week, we've got Tim Goth, who's written him... uh, uh, Tim Goff, sorry, not Goth. You said goth. You just said Tim Goth, not goth. Goff, G-O-U-G-H. Oh, so goth. As in Goff Whitlam. Or yeah. Darren Goff, if you're a cricket fan. Hi, guys. Writing to you all the way from Birmingham, UK. Big fan of the show. Been listening since before Christmas and now downloading the latest Four Finger Discount episode is part of my weekly routine. Mitch said he wanted to hear uh, use of Simpsons quotes used in everyday situations. Yes, I certainly do. Whenever I try to help a situation but ultimately end up making it worse, I quote Flanders from 22 short films about Springfield when he's helping Lisa get the gum out of her hair. Hmm. Seem to have mashed more hair into it. (laughs) What I love about that is, and he says no one ever gets it. Of course they wouldn't because it makes no sense in almost any other situation. But I like that he's sticking to it as like an analogy. But if someone laughs, you know they're a keeper as a friend. That's very true. It's, yes. a, it's a test joke. <laughs> uh, the other is Burns in Guess Who's Coming to Criticize Dinner. This is usually when I've eaten too much, when I stand up yeah. and say, there go my shin bones again. <laughs> uh, thanks to everybody for listening to our review of Homer Defined. I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah. A lot of people out there looking forward to us talking about Batman versus Superman. Unfortunately, I've been reading a lot of the reviews and I just haven't mustered the motivation to go and see it. I haven't seen it either. I feel like I'm going to be let down. Yeah, I've heard more negative than positive. Yeah, so what I'm trying to do is set my expectations really, really, really low, and then I'll go see it. Well, you don't like this incarnation of Superman anyway. I don't, no. So once I, if I can sign myself to hating it, but not going in wanting to hate it, but if I walk in going, oh, this is going to be a pile of shit, and then there are bits where I go, eh, that's not too bad, then I'll probably be able to walk out and feel like I've spent my money well. The problem is, I feel like I'm already know how the movie goes without even seeing it. Yeah. My opinion is, this is what's going to happen and I haven't seen it. Batman and Superman, they have a conflict and then somewhere near the end, they realise they need to join forces to take down a bigger evil and they become friends. I assume that's how it will go. Maybe I'll be wrong. I've heard that there is at least one plot twist somewhere in there towards the end but you know this one thing that pisses me off about this movie and I only know it from the trailer. In the trailer, they include Tom and Martha Wayne being shot. Yep. Have we not seen that enough fucking times? Mark Bernardin on the Fat Man on Batman podcast made the reference that it's like if you're doing a movie about Jesus, you don't need to show his origin story. You don't need to show Jesus on the cross anymore. We get it. We understand what happened. Like, we know how Batman came across. We don't need to keep seeing the origin every time they get a new goddamn Batman to play him. That's the problem with the the latest Fantastic Four, in a sense that they did another origin movie. And it's like... Right after the first origin movie. And it's like the directors just go, well, no one's ever heard of these guys before, so we need to tell them their story. Yeah. Same deal with Peter Parker. Yeah. Like, with with the Spider-Man movie. Like, I'm sick of... Well, I'm not sick of, but I, I wish Hollywood would just understand that comics have enough of a following now that you can just plonk us down, smack bang in the middle, and expect us to know that there's a Justice League, and we'll be cool with that. You can come in. Or we know that Peter Parker is around. Start get And, and the other thing, that we, they keep rehashing origin stories, which means you keep seeing the same villains over and over again, because often they're tied to the origin story. When you just go, all right, well, we're going to have a Superman that's established fighting Bizarro or fighting Brainiac or something along those lines. Like it, You don't need to keep going through creating everything and this is where he came from. Because the only reason that that was so great about Batman is we had never seen that origin story before. That's why it was interesting. We'd never seen what happened, but as in Batman Begins. We'd never seen, okay, how does he go from a kid who's seen his parents be shot to Batman? So the first time you ever watch that, you're like, this is phenomenal. This is something new. You don't need to keep saying it anymore because it's not new anymore. And if people don't know the origin story, they will quickly figure it out or they will research it after they've seen the movie. It's not like the origin story will completely throw people off and they won't understand what happens in the film. Yeah. They'll get, okay, this is Batman fighting somebody. I want Batman to win. Story finished. You, yeah. know, like, you don't need the fucking origin story all the time. Mm. But anyway, that's our rant for the week. 
Yeah, it is. <laughs> so, what else? What else can we get through? This is my favorite time of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> where I just unleash. Well, you know what happens when we finish doing the podcast, like the actual review. You always kick your feet up. I do. Yeah. <laughs> I get comfortable. <laughs> yeah. I settle in. I look at the clock and go, mm, "It's not midnight yet." <laughs> and, and I'm looking at this, going, "Okay, I've got to edit one hour and thirty five minutes of uh-huh. podcasting." <laughs> But we th- should go because the battery's about to die. Yes, I've been looking at the battery for the last hour. But uh, thanks everyone for listening to our uh, review of Home with Defined. I hope you all enjoyed it. Let us know. Mailbag at fourfingerdiscount.com.au. Had a lot of new listeners write in this week, which I really did like. Yeah, it's always nice to see new names. Review yeah. us on rate and review on the iTunes store. We're getting tons please. of reviews on iTunes, and I'm loving it. So yeah. we're the most reviewed Simpsons podcast on iTunes. That's very, very cool to know. Yes. So com- continue to review us on iTunes. It helps boost us up the rankings. Promote us to your friends. Yep. Get us out there, please. And as we announced on Facebook today, who are we going to be interviewing next week? Holy shit balls! Joe Montana, yeah. Fat Tony himself, will be appearing on Four Finger Discount. I'm going to be nervous. Yeah, I'll picture him in his underwear. You'll uh, be fine. Of course. Now I know what to do. Uh, if you guys have any questions, any listening questions, we'll try to maybe squeeze one or two in if we have time. Um, he's going to be on a limited schedule, so we've got to run through a lot in the time that we'll have. But um, please send through if you would like to know anything. Maybe you're a big fan of Baby's Day Out. Maybe you want Great to know movie. about his small voice-only cameo on Frasier. Uh, maybe maybe you want to know about working with Sofia Coppola and holy shit, Robert De Niro on Godfather Part 3. Maybe you just want to ask about Fat Tony himself and uh, who knows? Like, just anything. Or Criminal Minds. You might be a big Criminal Minds fan. Yeah. Um, but this is probably... No, not probably. This is hands down the biggest celebrity that we've had a chance to speak to so far. Like, Maggie's great, but this is... We're getting into household names like it, like a recognisable face. Yeah. If Maggie Roswell's walking down the street, credit to Maggie Roswell, you're not going to know who she is. Joe Montaigne's walking down the street because this is a fucking Criminal Minds guy. Yeah. So- <laughs> criminal, <laughs> not Joe Montaigne, it's Criminal Minds guy. Exactly. <laughs> But as we said, yeah, we really do appreciate you guys listening to us each and every week. The listens are continuing to go up each week. It's just fantastic to check out the results. Um, I think that news trolls really helped us out a bit. I'm really loving that. Another way you can help us out too is uh, if you see one of our posts pop up on your Facebook feed, share it. You know, then your friends might discover the page and they might find the podcast in return. And then that's more listens for us. The more listens we get, the more better interviews we can get. Because yeah. more people are listening, the more bigger celebrities want to well, be on the show. Well, that's it. Like, the reason we get Joe is we're able to send a message to his manager going, hey, this many people listen to the podcast, this many people check out our page, and this many people check out the website. And they go, holy shit, that's legitimate. Yes. Let, let, it's worth half an hour of his time. So share all that shit. And if you want to contact us, it's mailbag at fourfingerdiscount.com.au. Mitch, any final words? Any, meeny, money, mo. Catch a tiger by the toe. That'll do. I wasn't going to go through the whole thing. <laughs> See you guys later. Shh.